Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back, fellow optimists. It's Sofia Tapia here, your host on the Future Positive Podcast, a podcast from XPRIZE that aims to bring you the most future-forward topics from the world's brightest minds. If you're new to Future Positive, in each episode, you'll hear from world leaders, creators, entrepreneurs, innovators, and changemakers who are paving the way for innovation on and off this planet we call home. June 1st marks the beginning of Pride Month, and to celebrate, we're bringing a series of interviews conducted by Amelia Abraham with leading figures from the LGBTQ community who are impacting our world for the better. First up is Lucas LaRochelle, a designer and researcher whose work is concerned with queer and trans digital cultures, community-based archiving, and co-creative media. They are the founder of Queering the Map, a community-generated counter-mapping platform that digitally archives queer experience in relation to physical space. So sit tight, forward all calls, and get ready for takeoff. Hey, Lucas. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. So where in the world are you right now? I am calling from Chijage Muniang or Montreal, which is on the unceded lands and waters of the Ganyangahaka Nation. Amazing. And could you introduce yourself for our listeners, please, in terms of what, what it is you do? Absolutely. Um, I'm a designer, artist, and researcher, and my work is concerned with queer and trans digital cultures, community-based archiving, critical digital media, and increasingly artificial intelligence. I'm also the founder of Queering the Map, which is a community-generated counter-mapping platform for digitally archiving LGBTQ2IA experience in relation to physical space. Okay, and in kind of everyman terms, what does that mean? What does that look like when you hit the website and you get there, what do you get? Absolutely. So you type in on your browser www.queeringthemap.com and you are taken to a pink map of the world onto which there are uh, many, many, many uh, black pins, all of which contain stories of queer and trans experience from all across the world, ranging from the banal to the fantastic, from the joyous to the traumatic. Um, all in an effort to archive what it means to be a queer and or trans person um, in relation to the built environment. So users can click a point on the map 
um, add a story in whatever way they want to describe that story in whatever language or form of writing that they want to communicate in. And once the stories are moderated by a small group of human moderators, um, they appear publicly on the map. And it's important to note that every submission is made anonymously. So there's no user data that is associated with the points um, in the in the Queering the Map database, um, which is an effort to uh, maintain the privacy of everyone who contributes to the platform. One thing I really love about Queering the Map is there isn't necessarily a date on any of the memories or experiences. So they kind of span time, but you know, sometimes it explains when it were, when it was, and sometimes it doesn't. So it kind of blurs the the idea of what history means. Totally, yeah. I mean, that's a significant um, component of how querying the map is organized, or rather disorganized. Um, that it's an archive, but it's a very messy or queer archive in terms of its relationship to history. Um, and this is an intentional decision that was made to try to refute the the west particularly western idea of time as a linear phenomenon which is particularly rooted um or, or applied to create this idea of, of progress um inclusion-based progress um and querying the map is interested in disrupting that sort of linear um that linear model thinking about how past present and future um collide with one another could you maybe let us know what an example of, of one that you, you really like or, or one that stands out in your mind? Absolutely. Give me a second, I'll pull one up. <laughs> um, and I am going to actually find the one that I like the most, or one of the ones. I mean, there's 134,000 stories on the map as, as it currently stands. Um, so picking one is very challenging. Yeah, we should just say for the listener that you're flicking through a book right now looking for uh, one of your favourite entries. Yes. So this one is in Lida or Lod, which is Israeli-occupied Palestinian territory. And it reads, I was forced to come out to aggressive border control agents here. They denied my sexuality and were overtly homophobic. As a queer Arab woman, they saw me as a threat. The idea of Tel Aviv being a haven for LGBT plus people in the Middle East is a myth. I found greater acceptance in Palestine. Long live Palestine. Amazing, thank you. That's a very timely entry as well. Absolutely. And then sometimes, so there's this whole run of experiences because sometimes you go on it and it's like, got drunk and had my first kiss here. And then sometimes it's something like that, which kind of makes you pause for thought. Um, another question about querying the map is, how global is it? Currently, there are stories on every single continent, including Antarctica, where there are numerous uh, speculations about the lives of queer and trans penguins, polar bears, sharks, orcas, fish, etc. <laughs> Um, which is really exciting in terms of uh, thinking about how people are using querying the map. Also to your point about, you know, there are those stories about got drunk and had my first kiss. There's stories that are um, upending Western myths of um, particular locations as the only kinds of safe 
places for queer people, as is the case with the pinkwashing of Israel. Um, and then there's also these stories of, uh, that are fantastical in nature, um, speculating on the possibility of these queer and trans animals. There's also uh, various fan fiction entries. And so it really runs the gamut in terms of how people are um, articulating queer life, both in, uh, uh, in the real and also through, through fantasy, which I think is a really exciting um, way that the platform is being used. I think I should say at this point, though, I'm pretty sure I have read that researchers have found gay penguins. So maybe <laughs> it's true. It's true. Whether or not they're in the exact locations that people have tagged them on querying the map is, you know, um, TBD. But it's true. I mean, yes, we know that there's 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 much queer life in in the animal kingdom outside of outside of the human. Yeah. Um, and what year did you create this and how has it have evolved other than gaining new entries since that year? I started the platform in 2017 and then in by early in late 2017 and then by early 2018 um, the platform really took off and has been growing steadily since then. Um, it has very much become um, the bedrock of, of my, my artistic practice. Um, so it's something that I write about, something that I speak about, um, that I continue to, to research and, and, and work on and around. Um, in 2019, I had the opportunity to uh, launch an exhibition and public programming project called Queering the Map on Site which was thinking about what it might mean to leak the kind of digital community that's been formed on Bring the Map, the website, into a temporary physical location. And that was a really exciting way of trying to bridge that, you know, thinking about what the internet cannot do, um, which is that, that sense of presence, that sense of being with other people in a particularly embodied way. Um, was really exciting to explore in that exhibition. Of course, then, you know, next, then in 2020, um, there was not the possibility to, to, to remount that sort of uh, in-space public programming project, which is something that um, I'm really interested in exploring again as the world opens up, thinking about a deeper relationship that can be formed between Queering the Map, the digital platform, and building queer and trans community in, in real, physical life, which is not to say that the digital is not real by any means, it's incredibly real, but I'm really interested in, in, in what forms the project can take that enable the, um, the growth of, of, of communities on the ground, AFK, away from keyboard, as Legacy Russell, the author of Glitch Feminism, might say. Yeah, and talk to me about QtBot. Um, an AI trained on the querying the map database data. Absolutely. So QtBot is the project that I've been working on since late 2019, early 2020, which is, as you said, it's an artificial intelligence that's trained on the textual and visual data of querying the map. So the, the, the technical way of, of, um, of describing what the project is, is that it's uh, a database of the, the textual stories from querying the map, as well as a database of the scraped Google Maps Street View imagery um, that correspond to all of the points on the map. And using um, 
and using artificial intelligence and machine learning tools, I have created a, um, a hybrid subjectivity that weaves together all of these stories and all of these locations to create um, warped, um, somewhat confusing, somewhat fantastical visions of the queer and trans past, present, future, non-linear continuum. Um, and so this has taken the form of a series of posters uh, called Sitting Here With You in the Future, which superimpose some of the texts that QTBot has created on top of some of the images that it's created, as well as a what I describe as a, as a sort of speculative documentary, also called Sitting Here With You in the Future, um, that leads viewers through this warped world as narrated by QTBot. Amazing. And in terms of AI more broadly, I wondered, have you had any time to think about what are some of the kind of watch outs when it comes to AI and LGBTQ plus rights or, or indeed making sure that AI is more inclusive when it comes to LGBTQ plus people? Absolutely. I mean, this is, these are the kinds of central questions that I'm thinking about as I'm using QTBot as an artistic medium to explore these kinds of concerns. Um, one of the, when I started the project, one of the uh, situations that I was responding to was the news that uh, a researcher by the name of Mikhail uh, Kosinski had developed a um, what was colloquially referred to as a gaydar AI, um, which was said to, I think, in the like 95th plus percentile to be able to identify whether or not um, someone was uh, gay. Based on their facial structure, right? Based on their facial structure, exactly. Of course, what this, what this means is that people were classifying uh, humans were classifying data sets of people um, and deciding based on their own interpretation as to whether or not they were they were queer. And it's been the science behind this has been entirely disproven. But the the fact that this kind of work is being done, this 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 attempt to use the pseudo objectivity of of data science and machine learning to identify um, queer people is absolutely terrifying. This example brings up um, really important questions around what the relationship between visibility and surveillance looks like. So often um, conversations around AI, conversations around um, exclusion and discrimination in AI will be met with a sort of surface level demand for inclusion. If the AI is not recognizing particular communities, um, then we need to uh, include those communities within the data sets so that it can be more diverse. But the, the questions that we need to ask are, um, what are, what are the endpoints of those kinds of tools that are being built? Who are the, who are the, the, the stakeholders? And those stakeholders are often um, corporations and state, um, state systems that are working in tandem with one another as AI is, um, you know, part of the sort of tech Wild West. Um, it's an un, it's a largely ungoverned um, development in technology, and so thinking critically about what it means to be quote unquote included in these data sets is um, one of the central questions in QTBot. And the way that I'm thinking about that 
is what it means to refuse visibility or use AI to undo itself, to use AI to become, to make data sets more opaque, to make things make less sense, to make things less legible as a way of refusing the call to be included in these, um, in these applications of technology that can have very nefarious uses. That makes perfect sense. You know, this AI is created to categorize us, perhaps, when even before we've categorized ourselves. Absolutely. What are you most thankful for when it comes to tech generally as a queer person? I mean, I often say that the internet saved my life, and I mean that with no hyperbole, even though I am a very hyperbolic person. Um, the internet was the first place that I saw that there were people whose experiences were similar to mine. And I wouldn't have the confidence in my experience or the community that I currently have um, had I not had access to the internet at the age that I did. And so I'm very, I'm very thankful for um, technology and specifically um, internet-based technologies to be able to um, bring together communities that would otherwise um, not form the ways that they do. Thanks for listening to this Future Positive podcast. If you'd like to support our show, share this episode with fellow futurist friends, and remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple or wherever you get your pods. Your feedback does help. This podcast comes from XPRIZE, a global future positive movement of over 1 million people and rising, delivering radical breakthroughs for the benefit of humanity. Sign up to join us and support the movement that is making a change in the world 10 times faster. Whether it's lending a hand, a dollar, or an idea, we all have a role to play in making the future a better place. The only way to get the future we want is to create it ourselves. Learn more at xprize.org. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.